0: Good morning church. I hope you're keeping well and looking after yourselves and each other. I personally cannot wait until we meet corporately again. I'm seriously missing your faces and more importantly your hugs. The last few months have been talking about abiding in God and the spiritual disciplines that allow us to get closer to God, to be in his presence, to hear him more clearly and to know his heartbeat for us. Today I want us to ask ourselves are we enjoying God? We often put words together with God and what we call to do with God. And my guess is that enjoying God is not one of them, or at least it's not our top word. Obeying God will probably be high up there as a top word. Serving God, loving God, honoring God. What about respecting God or following God? Believing God, and then there's, of course, fearing God and trusting God. But not many will say enjoying God as our first thought as to what we should be doing with God. It's a foreign concept to believe that the best person to be around is God, yet nobody understands you better than God. We form this picture of God through our culture and our experiences, it shaped who we think God is. Often we feel obligated to praise Him, obligated to recognise that He exists. After all, He's God and He's done a few things, right? Enjoyment is not the top word you think of, of what we should be doing with God, and but that's exactly what it's about. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That's all about enjoyment. My hope and prayer is that we at Awaken would grow in our hunger to praise God, grow in our hunger to pursue him, grow in our knowing God, go deeper in our intimacy, and ultimately find joy in being with him. God wants that from me, and God wants that from you. Micah 6, 8 is almost a summary of the Old Testament. And it reads, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You ask people what they think God asks or wants from us, and their answer often reveals their perception of God, perceptions that they got through other people. Maybe it's how you and I are conducting our lives as Christians. Perception through the experiences of church, The experiences of ministry or through ideas they make up themselves. Ask people what God asked from us and they might say as a top requirement that God wants my money. And who can blame them? There's always a need, right? Always a mission, always an outreach and always a ministry that needs funding. The second requirement is that I need to change my behaviour. I need to stop doing this and start doing that. You can fill in the blanks, because there's an endless list of stuff we think that God wants us to stop doing and to start doing. And yes, behaviour change is part of the equation in pursuing God wholeheartedly. The third requirement might be that God asked me to serve. And who hasn't been asked to serve in some way, shape or form? After all, you don't just come on a Sunday and be, there's stuff to be done, our service doesn't put itself on, our church building doesn't clean itself, and our children don't teach themselves at children's church. But these things might be three things that we believe that God asks from us. Our money, our behavior, change, and serving. I'm not saying don't do them, they're not important, or we're not needed. They're all desperately needed in our calling to go and make disciples. What I am saying, however, is that above all these things, above giving your money, above changing your behavior, above serving, above saying the right thing, and above giving, and above doing, God is after our affection. And your affection is the one thing that only you can give him, no one else. And while we're giving God our affection, I believe we should be enjoying God too. To act justly, love mercy and walk humbly. God is saying "Yeah, I'm telling you what is good and this is what I want from you. To act justly means to do the right thing. To love mercy means caring for the less fortunate. And lastly, to walk humbly, that's an invitation, right, Yet yeah, to walk with Him and not just to work for Him. Don't just do the right thing, walk with Him. Don't just believe the right thing, walk with Him. Don't just do kind acts, walk with Him. He's inviting us to walk with Him in our relationships, in our fellowships, and He wants to walk with you on your Mondays, your Tuesdays, your Wednesdays, and even your weekends. He wants to walk with you in your hobbies, in your work, and in our living, our daily comings and goings. God is saying, right here, I want to be with you and I want to walk with you. And that invite was not just for Micah. It was for the nation of Israel. It was a corporate invitation. God was saying, This is what is good and this is what I want from you. That is the purpose and the reason God created us. Yet we can easily forget about God and including Him in our day to day life because of our culture. We forget about Him because of our needs. We forget about him when we think, what's in this for me? And we forget about God when we think, how do I factor that into my priorities? I want to suggest that our priority on earth is God's priority. And his priority, what he longs for most, is our affection. So there's an invitation on the table here. It's an invitation to walk with God, to know him intimately, and to enjoy being with God. King David saw that invitation, and he took up that invite. In Psalm 27, 4, it says, one thing i asked from the lord only this do i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the lord and to seek him in his temple that's enjoyment why else would david want to hang around in the house of god all the days of his life i bet if being in god's house or hanging with god was terrible scary or overall a negative experience. I doubt it would have been David's hard cry to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And there's different phases of knowing God and being with God. And only you will know where you are on this journey today. But it's my hope that you'll take it up a notch to get closer to God and start enjoying being with him. There is a sensing knowing phase, where we have a hunch that there is something or someone greater than us, a higher power, but you don't know what it is. There is an awareness knowing phase, that there must be a god that created this world the big bang theory just doesn't stack up anymore then there is an acquaintance knowing phase you're introduced to god hopefully by a believer by the way that they're walking and conducting their life there's something different about them and you want to know more or someone might have spoken to you about god then there is a connectiveness knowing phase you know a lot about god and christianity but it's not a personal relationship yet it's more a curiosity. Then there is a friendship knowing phase. You've accepted Jesus as your Saviour and you're starting to explore that relationship. You're getting to know Him and you're allowing Him to change you and to reveal your true identity. Then there is a companionship knowing phase. You're keeping company with God, you're spending more time together with Him, and it's becoming a bit more intimate. But ultimately, we are called to be God lovers. And it's at this lover-knowing stage that we're forming a lifelong soul-body-spirit connection with God, and we're surrendering all I am to him, and I'm accepting who he says I am. In Matthew twenty two thirty six 36 to 39, it says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love at the end of the day, family. We are to become God lovers. And then we are to show brotherly love. And I can appreciate that we're all at different places on that knowing God journey too. But I want to encourage us to not enjoy that journey, but I also want to encourage us to press in, pursue God, and ultimately enjoy being in his presence. You know, in the Garden of Eden, God knew where Adam was. He knew that Adam was hiding. But he still called out, Adam, where are you? God wanted Adam to know that he still wanted to hang out with him, that he still wanted to walk with Adam in the cool of the night. He still wanted Adam to know that he wanted to be part of every aspect of Adam's life in his comings and his goings. We don't need more facts about God. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus simply said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We need to move from facts in our head and our mind to a connection-knowing phase of knowing God. We are to step into knowing God because of an experience that we have tasted and we have seen that God is good. Too often we get stuck on that little bit that says, with all your mind, and we don't move from an intellectual experience to a relational experience. God is saying, what I want most from you is you. So now you might be asking, so how do I taste and see that God is good? And how do I get God into my mouth, let alone onto my lips? And how do I move into a place of enjoying God? Well, church family, there's a few steps I want us to consider doing this week, and so I hope you will take time to consider them and maybe implement them. But step one is to set aside time daily to seek out God. There is more to setting aside time than just this morning listening to the service. It's a start, but there's so much more. Maybe it's a time in the morning before you get on with your day. Maybe it's at lunchtime, you will know whatever time of the day works for you, but it's a time set aside for you to just be with God all on your own. And the second step is start with his word. Don't just sit there, be intentional. Maybe you read a psalm, read through a devotion on the Version Bible app, read your favorite verse again. Maybe it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that we shall not perish but have eternal life. Or maybe it's my favorite, Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The third step is to settle on that verse or that thought. Read it out loud, read it over and over again. Let it talk to your soul and your spirit and try to identify what the main theme that that verse is talking about. For example, if you settle on John 3:16, maybe it's love. If you settle on, on Jeremiah 29:11, that might be provision or protection. Maybe the verse you settle on is all about mercy, or maybe it's about trust. Soak in that verse of thought is the fourth step. And what I mean by soak is actually meditate. And meditation might look different for you. It might mean that you commit that verse to memory. It might mean that you're into creative meditation and that you have to draw that verse or that word out. What does it look like for you? If you're musically inclined, meditation might mean that you sing that verse out, sing it out in your own words. Or maybe like me, you're analytical, so meditating on that word might mean looking up the definition. So for example, when I settled on Jeremiah 29:11, 11, I got the word provision. And so I looked up that word to see what it meant. Provision is a noun. It means to supply. It's the act of providing something. So that said to me that God is my source of everything, and he will supply all my needs. I then went further and looked at the plural, provisions. And that meant suppliers of food or other necessary things. So in that moment, my word was provisions. And it was, okay, what is necessary things, Lord? Tell me more about that, God. Should I be more content in this moment? Search my heart, Father, show me. Am I grumbling right now? Am I unhappy with what I have? Do I feel that what I have is not sufficient? And why is that? Spend some time delving into the revelation you have received. For example, if a vision means providing necessary things, what exactly is necessary things? Only you, when you're sitting with God, meditating on it, will you get a word and then you'll know what it means for you personally. The fifth step is to share what you've discovered. So you need to digest it and then you need to reflect it. Look for ways you can reflect God. For example, if your word is mercy, how can you show mercy this week? If your word is truth, how can you reflect God's truth this week? And if it's love, how can you show your neighbor love? In Genesis 5:24 it says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Hebrews 11:5 goes on to explain, by faith Enoch was taken from this life. So he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one that pleased God. Enoch walked with God, and Enoch enjoyed spending time with God, and God was pleased. God was also so eager to spend time walking with Enoch for eternity that God could not wait for Enoch to live a long life and then die before joining him in eternity. So instead, God took Enoch right there and then. And this was all because God was enjoying Enoch, and Enoch was enjoying God. Can you more? Can you imagine walking humbly with God enjoying God and God enjoying you can you imagine how much pleasure it will bring God if you walk with God in your everyday comings and goings so church family i want to encourage you this week that as you go through these five steps setting aside a daily time to seek out God reflecting on his word settling on a thought or a verse meditating on that thought or that verse and then as you share and reflect what has been revealed Do all of this because you're earnestly seeking him, because it's your joy to honour God, but mostly it's because you want him to enjoy God, because all he wants from you is your affection, and only you can give him that.